Hey, church, my name is Mark Tenafalls, and I'm one of the pastors here. I work with all of our creative teams, and so everything that's going on in all the time, I work with our wonderful team, our incredibly talented team, our team that is world-class, uh, always just blows my mind what they're able to do, and I love working with them every single week, and I kind of got into this role because uh, in high school, I took a really big interest in church, and then uh, there I, I discovered a lot of other interests I had in, in technology or computers or photography or whatever it may be. I, just, I was always interested in different things, and uh, maybe you have a lot of different interests in your life. I know that for me, I always move on from one thing to the next. I'm, I don't know if I'm just a curious guy or if I really am just like interested in things, but for me, I'll find something I'm really interested in, learn a lot about it, and then just kind of like move on and then forget everything I learned. I don't know if you all like that, but I have, my parents have totes full of old interests, old hobbies I had that now they are just collecting dust up in our attic. Uh, they have not been brought out. They've not seen daylight in a long, long, long time. By the time, I was super interested in it. All right, like, like, like uh, the Tamagotchis, if you had those growing up and you had your first experience of losing a pet, and it was an electronic pet, or like the tech decks that used to drive your teacher crazy in class with those miniature skateboards going on. I was always interested in, in board games, and so when McDonald's had the Monopoly thing going on, I didn't need another reason to go to McDonald's, but I sure had one with the Monopoly, because I collected all those things going on. I, I just had a lot of interest growing up that I would change, I would, I would really pick something up and then move on, and continue on in college. In college, I had a kayaking class. I don't know how you get accredited college classes for going kayaking, but I made it happen. It was awesome. I learned a lot. I don't go kayaking anymore, but I have on my college transcript a kayaking class, which is just the best part about college. Uh, but not every hobby I had is dead still. Not every hobby I have is useless. Uh, not everything collects dust. One of the things I really enjoyed for a long time was uh, I would cook and I would watch every cooking show there is. And so I've never been in sports, so I wasn't like an armchair quarterback, but I am an armchair chef. And so every time I see Master Chef, man, I am on them. I'm like, you can't put that in the food processor. You're gonna mess up the whole dish. What are you gonna do now? How are you gonna plate that? And, and I make sure that they know my disappointment in it. Uh, but the good news is I like to eat a lot, and so I use that cooking skill a whole lot in my life. So it's not completely useless. And I have some other, other hobbies and, and things I've learned, other interests that I've taken up over the years that they're not all just wasted collecting dust, but I do have a lot of ones that do just sit on a shelf and collect dust. How in life do we make sure our faith never becomes like those interests we used to have? How in life do we make sure our faith doesn't become just a dust collector, something that we used to enjoy, something that we used to have an interest in. It's so important for us because we've been talking about running on full and we've learned incredibly valuable things. We've learned things that are so beneficial to our life, will help us live a great life, a life that is uh, pleasing to God, that's, that's exciting, and we can be proud of the person we become. But how do we make sure that we don't just go from running on full till we ran on full? 
So we're going to use something we used to do. I think we do have the answer, and it is in the Bible. But it's really important for us to realize the dangers of having a faith that we used to be interested in. In 1998, the country of Honduras was, uh, had an assignment to build a bridge that they needed to cross the Choloteca River. They had a bridge, but it wasn't doing a great job for the people, and it was really susceptible to damages from hurricanes. And uh, in an area where there's a lot of hurricanes, they, they knew they needed a new bridge that would serve the whole area and would help uh, the people of Honduras out in, in connecting uh, one area to another. And so they get together the best archae- architectural minds in the world. They hire consultants. They get everyone together uh, to figure out, okay, how are we going to build the perfect bridge for this river? And so the assignment's pretty clear, and, and they build this river. They spend just boatloads of money on this, on this bridge uh, because they know it's going to last a long time. They know it's going to be what they need in order to serve their country best. And so the year it gets commissioned, the year they finish it all up, is the perfect bridge, and it gets put to the test that very same year. Hurricane Mitch comes along, and it's one of the, uh, it was the most devastating hurricane in the Atlantic region, so it, it destroyed a lot of property, it damaged a lot of things, and including it wiped out the old Choloteca Bridge. But the new bridge stood its ground. It was said about this, about the country and the bridge was that Honduras was wrecked. However, the Choloteca Bridge stood its ground and survived in near perfect condition. It was an amazing architectural achievement. It stood its test, it accomplished what it needed to do. There was a problem though. The flooding not only destroyed the roads around it, but also moved the river that it was supposed to be crossing. And so instead of crossing the Choloteca River, which is now that way, it is over dry ground. And it went from being called the Bridge of the Rising Sun to the Bridge to Nowhere. And let me tell you, that's a bummer because that is not too helpful to anyone. How do we keep our faith from becoming like this bridge? Because the danger we have is not that our faith gets destroyed, but rather we reroute our life and we no longer put to use the faith that we've built. How do we keep our faith from getting dusty? In Colossians, we've been going over these three chapters and in the final chapter, uh, we read about how to keep our faith going. In fact, the section header is called Further instructions. And so after everything we've already read, here's what you need to know. Here's what's going to help you keep going further in your faith. Here's what you need to keep in mind. This is what's going to help you go further in your faith and what you need to have for the future of it. It starts out with this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. It's not the first time that Paul has addressed prayer in this book. In the first chapter, he says uh, that we pray for you and do not cease to pray. And so over and over again, he centers in on a message that prayer is important. He started with it and he ends with it. Keep praying, continue steadfastly in prayer. But what, I mean, what's the big deal about it? 
Prayer is what can fill our heart more than anything else. And your heart will determine your identity in your life. It will determine who you become. It will determine the kind of person that you are going to be. And it's your heart that God is after. And the best way for him to fill your heart is through prayer. And so, so the message is clear that in order to have a faith that's always centering your life, in order to have a faith that you're always putting to use, you need to focus in on your heart. Your heart matters so much. Your heart matters. It's your heart. It's your heart. It's your heart that God is after. And the way that he can fill it, the way that he can speak to you, is through prayer. A lot of us, we have... Uh, overcomplicated prayer. I know I've done it so many times where I think that in order for me to pray, what I first need to do is make sure that God isn't gonna tell me anything I don't wanna hear yet. And so you've been there. You know, you think, uh, I know what God's gonna say to me, so I'll just pray later after I have addressed this thing in my life that I know he's gonna bring up, so I'll just, I'll just talk to him later. And we think, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna fix everything in my life, and then I'm gonna go pray to God because then I know he, he will just applaud me and have only good news for me. But there's so much danger in it. There's so much danger in thinking, I know I am lacking in areas, but my answer for that will be to focus in on myself instead of going to God, who's the only one that can fill those areas that you lack. And so we actually do the opposite of what God uh, really wants us to do. In prayer, yes, he will have us address things. He will have us change things. He will have us adjust things in our life. But there's so much more we miss if we do not go to God in prayer. Yes, he may speak things to you about areas of your life that you need to adjust. But also, he has so many things about your purpose in life. He has so many things that he loves about your life. He has so many things that he is proud of you for. And you will miss out on so many opportunities if you miss out on prayer. So I know you think, you know, I'm just going to work on this before I talk to God about it because I know he's going to bring it up. But just bring it up to God. Don't be scared of him. There's nothing to worry when you speak to God. And so we need to have a really good understanding of why we pray. Know why you pray. See, if you have a small why for the reason that you pray, you will always have an unfulfilled heart. But if you have a great and vast why for the reason that you pray to God, you will always be filled. You will always have a whole heart. One of the great moments of, uh, a moment of my faith was listening to the general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, Wayne Schmidt. And I remember him clearly saying that beyond finding your purpose in life, beyond everything that you'll do, the greatest thing will be for you to listen to the voice of the creator of the universe speak your name. That's the why for our prayer, that the creator of the universe speaks to us and he speaks our name. Know why you pray. We do not pray because we got things to just get off our mind. We pray so we can receive truth, wisdom, life, joy from God, the creator of the universe. The second thing we need to know about prayer is we need to know when. When do you pray? And I'm not, going, I'm not here to fool you. You think I'm a prayer pro. I am far from it. I find myself 
uh, falling short of what my standards are for, for my prayer life, and I, I seem to always fall short of it. But what I have found is that I find consistent time early in the morning that I can speak to God and he can speak to me and I can pray for as long as I need for that day. And sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. But what I do know is that early in the morning, it's our best chance of getting centered on God and centered in prayer and centered in our life. Because look, by the time I'm driving to work, it's too late to get centered for the day. By the time I, I, get, I open up my email and see the emails coming in, it, it's too late to get centered. When you, business owner, get that email from your accountant and you got that on your mind, it's too late to get centered. That, that's going out the window. When your kids wake up and they're going crazy, too late to get centered. When you, uh, when you have those voicemails coming in and you have those text messages coming in, it's too late at that point to get centered. Uh, when you drop off your kid at school and the teacher needs a word with you, it's too late to get centered at that point. You, you, you're done for the day. And so our only hope of getting centered on God is early in the morning, praying to him, having a moment where he can speak to us and we can speak to him and we can become centered. Know when you pray. And last is know what you pray. What is it you, that you pray for? In prayer, you reflect, you can ask, you can praise God, you can pray for the people in your life, you can pray for the people you want in your life, you can pray for your spouse, you can pray for your future spouse, huh? Yeah? But you can pray for them. Lord, haste the day. It's okay to pray that. You can pray for your virtues. You can pray for the kind of person that you want to be. But whatever it is that you pray, know that when you pray, it's about what God wants and not just what you want. Because we're really, really good at that. We're like, God, I just want you to know, the next 24 hours, I'm going to do this, so I hope you're okay with it. If not, I'll check back in. But how much different would our life be if we would say, God, I want to know what you want from me. I want to know what you see for my life. What is it your plans are for me? How to address a situation? How to navigate the circumstances I'm in? What do you want from me, God? And in doing that, we will be centered and we will have a full heart. Because that's what, what will keep our faith center stage in our life. That's what will keep our faith off of that shelf collecting dust is when we can have our heart full in it, and we can pray. A lot of us think that maybe prayer has been boring, but it, it's really not boring. It's our way to connect to God. See, Paul goes on uh, in the same verse, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. See, being watchful in prayer is not about like, God, help me watch out for all the dangers in life. Being watchful is that, God, I'm watching you to see where you're leading me. Because the moment I get off track and the moment I'm watching myself instead of you, the moment I lose in this life. So I'm gonna watch you. My heart is gonna be watching you and I don't expect you to watch my heart and hope that I'm, I'm lining everything up. I'm gonna watch you and I'm gonna line up my heart with what your word says, with what your will is for my life. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so important to our prayer life. See, Thanksgiving is like a little sweetener to your prayers. And I've 
had to cut back a lot of my sweeteners, but I still love some sweeteners. Like Southern sweet tea sweet, you know, peppermint mocha latte sweet, vanilla iced coffee sweet, cinnamon rolls sweet, butter pecan ice cream sweet. Y'all, y'all get the idea. I like sweet things. Thanksgiving is a sweetener to our prayers because it reminds us of all that God has brought us. See, here's the lie of discontentment is that we never will have enough because discontentment says that we need a little bit more than we have right now. But the problem is when we have a little bit more, we still think that we need a little bit more. And so the lies of discontentment, they say, I will finally be fulfilled if I have more than I have now or that God owes me more because of what I've done for him or I deserve better because of who I am and what I've gone through. Thanksgiving says this though, I have more than I need Thanksgiving says, God has given me more than I can imagine, and I deserve nothing, but I'm thankful for everything. And you will break the limitations on your heart being full when you're able to have prayer with thanksgiving. And your heart needs prayer to experience fullness. A quiet heart is an empty heart, but a heart that has prayer is a full heart, it's a whole heart, and it's one that will experience the most that God has for your life. You need a full heart to have a faith that's always relevant to you, a faith that you always use. Next thing, Paul goes on and he says, at the same time, pray also for us. I love that he takes prayer because a lot of times we feel like we should just tell people we're praying for them. And so we'll be like, hey, I'm praying for you. I don't need prayers. I'm good. I'm better than you. But I'm praying for you. I got your back. That's what we mean when we say it, but we're like, oh, I'm good, I'm blessed, brother, all that good stuff. <laughs> At the same time, pray also for us. I need prayer. Give me prayer that God may open to us a door for the word. Now, Paul's in prison at this point. He's in jail because of his faith, because of this very message that Jesus saves us. And so he, he says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word. See, if I'm Paul, I'm praying for an open door for me to get out of that place. But Paul, Paul thinks different. He says, I, it's not about me getting out. It's about the word of God getting out. And so if I'm, if I'm stuck here but the word of God is getting out, that's the open door I'm looking for. I don't need an open door so I can get out of the situation. I need an open door so I can go tell people about the hope that they have, about the God that loves them, and about the love I have for them and how much I care for them. And I wanna encourage them, let them know there's so much more to their life than they, what they even know right now. Paul says, pray for open door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul has prayer in his heart and he has a plan in his head. And that's what we have to have for our faith to always be used in our life every single day for us to have a clear head, a clear mind. God, what am I here for? Paul had prayer full in his heart, but he had a clear mind 
of what God had him here for. And he encourages us with this just after that. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Our time is limited. Make the best use of it. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We are here for other people. Paul's escape was not about him getting out, but about him able to speak to other people. Paul saw the influence he had in life. And influence comes with responsibility. And he thought, I can't waste my time thinking that life is about me, that people are all around me to contribute to my life. I'm here to contribute to their life. And he has a clear mind of what it is that he's here for. He's here to speak to other people, tell them about Jesus, to let them know uh, in a gracious and humble way that there is a Savior that loves them a whole lot. And that's our role, to speak to people graciously, humbly, and season with salt. I, I like the season with salt part. A lot of us, we think it says stuffed with salt. We want people to think like us, act like us, behave like us, talk like us. But it's not stuff with thought. Just a little bit of thought. Live your life so that people want to talk to you more. It's not about having them become the person that you are. It's about having them become the person that Jesus wants them to be. So when you live your life with a clear head, you know that you are here to help the people around you. John Dunn said, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And before him, the Bible said it. So we, the many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Every person you meet will be impacted by you. You determine what that impact will look like. Every single person you meet will be impacted by you. And you determine what that impact is gonna look like. Well, we, we got a lot going on in our head. I know, I know you got a lot of thoughts that come to mind. I know you got work going on. You got your business. Your work. I, know, I know you have a lot going on in your mind. How do we keep a clear mind? How do we keep a clear head? How do we keep this in mind like what, what Paul was talking about? How, how do we have a mind like what Paul was saying? It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. There's a prayer there that is famously called the Shema prayer. And it goes like this. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The things that should be on your mind when you sit in your house, when you're all alone, what should be on your mind are the thoughts of God. When you walk by the way, when you're traveling, just put on some worship music. Have God be your center focus. 
That'll help you clear your mind. And it's gonna make the devil angry too when you put on worship music. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you're tired, when you're tired, that's the moment where we can have all sorts of thoughts come to our mind. When you're tired, that's when a lot of things can disrupt you. But to have a clear head, you have to disrupt those things. You have to say, I, I'm, I'm tired, I'm gonna read my Bible right now. I'm tired, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a devotional real quick. Because that's why I need to have a clear mind. To know that this life isn't just about my situations, the problems I'm going through. But this life is about God and what He wants for me and His plans for me. So when, you, when you're tired, we lie down. And then when you rise, talk about these things, think about these things. When you rise early in the morning, pray and get centered. That's your opportunity when you rise to have a clear head of what it is that God wants for you, what it is that He has for you. We need a full heart. We need a clear head. The next thing that Paul talks about is this. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. You need a full heart, you need a clear head, and you need working hands. We need to put all this to action every single day. What it is that your ministry is, I don't know, but I know it's clear that you have received something that God has a plan for you to accomplish. And you think, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what my ministry is. Is a ministry for pastors? I hate to burst your bubble. But Paul's writing this not to the pastor of the church, not to the, the leaders of the church. All of this is to the whole church. Every single one of us. Every single one of us, we fulfill our ministry. Every single one of you, you have a ministry that God is asking you to fulfill. And you have received something. You cannot create it. You cannot imagine it. You, can, you cannot ask for it. You have received something in your life that God is asking you to fulfill. And the greater danger for us is not that we never discover it, not that we don't ever figure it out and we're worried our whole life, like, have I gotten the right ministry? Have I figured out the right thing? The greater danger is not that you never figure it out, but that you never accomplish it because you've delayed too long. Procrastination is the greatest enemy to your faith. And I, I know we got some procrastinators in the room too. I know a lot of times I feel like I should procrastinate, like I should wait just a little bit. But, but procrastination will always leave us thinking that tomorrow will do, and today we can't do much. In procrastination, we find that God would have used us more than we ever imagined, but the calling looked larger than we thought we could handle, not knowing that it was his strength that would supply us. 
we would never have been alone along the way. But we were too scared, too busy, or too delayed. And we missed out on what God wanted for us. Procrastination will steal from you and it will lie to you. Procrastination says that no great thing can be done today, but must wait until tomorrow. That no great victory will be accomplished. That, that everything must wait until tomorrow. But that's a lie. Every single day we have small victories. Every day we have moments that we win. And all of those will be what define our life. All of those small victories will turn into the story of our victorious life. There is no other way around it. Every single day, you need working hands to fulfill your ministry. Take no time off. You can take time off from work. You can take time off from your obligations. You can take time off from your stress. You can take time off from, from your worry. But take no time off from your faith. We do not have enough time for us to delay anymore in working on our faith. We don't have enough time to take a break from it. Every single day, use your faith. Work your faith. Don't let it become dusty. Don't let it become that thing that you used to be interested in. We need full heart. We need clear head. We need working hands. And every single day, we will put our faith to use. It will find that God has done something great through us. And we will run on full till the very last day that we're here. And you'll say, what a great life I had. What a full life I had. How much fun God and I had along the way. Church, I believe every single one of you can have a faith that's never dusty. But you use it every day. And you find yourself centered on God and who he's calling you to be. I want to pray for you for a final encouragement for us to use our faith every day. Jesus, what joy we have in knowing that we have you in this life. And so with prayer that is watchful over you and thanksgiving filling our hearts, we know that you have so much more for us. So with a full heart, we say we use our faith daily. And with a clear head, knowing at any single moment, we are working on your mission. At any single moment, we say, God, I'm looking for the opportunities that you have for me. So I'm gonna have a clear head. And with working hands, we put to use our faith. We fulfill the ministry that you've given us. And we do not delay any longer on what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.